demo, it is less than two weeks until our brand new event, the Wellness Base Camp, hits Adelaide. Oh, I can't wait, MP. Oh, Damo, we can't wait to have you in Adelaide. The Brisbane Base Camp was a sellout. The feedback from attendees was inspiring. Christine said, keep up the incredible work and energy. You make me feel so, so good. And Kira said, I loved all the speakers and the vibe in the room. So many aha moments. And Lauren said, no matter how many times I hear each of these people speak, I learn new things always and have action steps to take away. Can't wait to have you there, great man. The rock star of wellness is joining Kim Morrison, JP and Andy from Smashed Avocado, Brett Hill and myself at the Wellness Base Camp Saturday, April 7th at the Arca Bar in Adelaide. Two for one tickets available with the code COUNTDOWN at www.thewellnessbasecamp.com on Eventbrite or search for The Wellness Base Camp Adelaide on Facebook. That code again is COUNTDOWN with tickets available at thewellnessbasecamp.com on Eventbrite or by typing The Wellness Base Camp Adelaide in Facebook. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. This is Up for a Chat with Cindy O'Mara, Karen Smith, and Kim Morrison. Here we are, Up for a Chat about the hottest topics that are important to you, inspiring you to awaken the change within. I'm Karen Smith. I'm Kim Morrison. And I'm Cindy O'Mara. And today's going to be just a bit about a bit of love, I think. (laughs) We were just kind of, we were just talking about, before we got on air, we were talking about what we wanted today's conversation to be about. And we went through a whole bunch of different ideas and topics and it came down to a question that I've got to say, I actually haven't been asked. And Kimmy has though. So I thought we all thought that it would be a wonderful way to spend our time together today is talking about love, relationships, how to keep the spark, how to keep relationships working. And then one of the things that spurred the conversation was that somebody asked Kimmy if the three of us have ever had a fallout and how do we actually maintain our friendship. And all three of us just giggled simultaneously (laughs) at exactly the same time about the, the interesting fact that we've never had anything that has caused a rift amongst the three of us. Um, and why? How does, that even, how does that even happen in a relationship that's as close as ours, but then we don't spend a lot of time together because we're flying around all the time. But then also, too, we, we work together. We are each other's clients, customers, and we're each other's support crew and you know, <laughs> we just do everything to each other I think it's kind of true isn't it mm, it is I, you know what I think it is for me is um I just find we find this natural rhythm as far as the work that we've got to do so I just know Karen you just take over when it comes to admin <laughs> which Kim and I are very happy about. <laughs> and, um, you know, like I'll, I always do the notes in the show and, and I usually record, but Kimmy's recording today. I don't know, we just, there's this amazing flow that seems to come and I have the absolute respect for both of you. Uh, and I think that that's probably a big thing in any relationship is respect. Mm. 
Yeah, and and I don't have any. There's no, not even an inkling of no respect or unrespect there. It's all respect. Mm. So I I think you know when you lose respect for somebody is when the the cracks start to fall. But I watch. I watch us all in different situations, you know, where we've gone away together overseas for two, three weeks or we go on tour together or we do a five-day conference together or we do a, it doesn't matter what it is that we do. When I see you two on the stage or see you dealing with somebody or helping somebody or falling off a horse. Oh, stop. (laughs) Or wearing a yellow jacket. (laughs) (laughs) There, there is just, I don't know, it, it's just I am in awe of you, you know, both of you. I'm just in awe of what you are capable of doing and, and yeah, I, I think that that's it. Respect and awe. There you go. There's my reason. What's yours? Well, I'm going to copy yours because I really like that because mm-hmm. I'm the same. When I, when I see you guys and, um, you know, it always reminds me of how blessed I am to have friends who are so accomplished and so willing to always push themselves beyond their boundaries. It always reminds me of how lucky I am. And from my lucknicity, then I think that is what keeps me in awe of you guys all the time is when I'm constantly in that state of holy snap and duck shit. Oh, I said that, didn't I? <laughs> Whoops. Oh, sorry, everybody. <laughs> um, it just reminds me of how blessed I am to have you guys in my world. And then, and then when something really big happens for me personally, the first person that I'm thinking of calling is Kimmy because I know she's going to have oils. And then the second person I'm calling is Cindy because I know she's going to have logic that I could never reach for in my darkest moments and I I just have to say to you girls that I you know recently lost my beautiful boy Jet and I couldn't think of two people that I wanted to have in my corner more than you two it 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 was amazing you were amazing Mm -hmm. just so that you know that yeah it was a tough time for you, Karen. It really is. Look, and it still is. But mm. it's um, to 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 have people who don't people in your life who don't expect you to feel better. Mm. You know, you guys didn't expect me to feel better. You just wanted to. to, to you just, I just knew that you were there, mm. and the way that you thought about it, and the way that you relate to it. It was it was a it was a relationship to the experience that I couldn't have reached for in such an emotional time. I couldn't have got there, and I think also knowing that the two of you were willing to drop everything that you had to come and support me during my retreat was the most. Um, it was a game changer in terms of our friendship for me, because I think you guys showed me true friendship. And it was an incredible example of what friendship looks like and, quite frankly, makes me really look at how I am as a friend and gives me something more to aspire towards as as a friend. And I really, I didn't get to actually tell you that, um, but we're doing it publicly. (laughs) So... (laughs) Oh, we knew how much you were, were hurting. Well, I, you know, we both knew how much you were hurting and I just thought, well, if you can't handle it, you know, the, the talking because you had to do a five-day event, I said, yeah, 
will be there for you. And then I put Kimmy forward and I think Kimmy did the same thing for me. Oh, put Cindy, she'll do it. <laughs> we'll be there. We don't, you know, we'll be there, you know. Um, and, yeah. and we would never be able to do what you do. No. But if I'm sure if anybody on a retreat came and it was my retreat and I was beside myself but I was there but had you two, no one would mind. In fact, the amount of times that I've had people say to me, um, you three have something so special. I wish I had that connection with some friends and I wish I had um, people I could call on like that and I think um, you're both in my ears all the time when it comes to health and mindset and I always have Kaz on my shoulder when I bark or when I become a, a, a raving lunatic or do, do my thing. Um, doing my thing um, <laughs> and and I always have her little voice in there um, you know just it's so powerful to have friends or today I was even interviewed on a podcast and they said how do you how do you get through the tough times as a mother and I go oh I ring my girlfriends um, <laughs> and I say I'm a level one soul and I think um, and I need coaching and I think that's a true friendship isn't it when you've fallen over you're in a heap you don't want someone to turn around and say oh all men are bastards or all girlfriends are catty or all like it, you're not looking for someone to feed the drama uh, well I'm I personally love it I don't mind a little goss in the moment of, of having a little bleat, but then to me it's like what I love most about you two is you give me perspective um, or you give me answers or different ways of looking at it or um, you support me to think about it in a different way that I would not have thought of in the drama of what I'm in. And so I think that's our code word for each other, <laughs> level one soul moment. Um, <laughs> And we seem to step up to each other for that. We also don't take each other's garbage. Like there's never a moment that we, well, maybe we don't dish it out either, but I don't think we ever allow each other to fall to fall too far for some reason. I don't know if that's the right way to explain it, but I never feel like I become an absolute um, drama queen with you guys. I don't, I don't want drama. I just want, I want to move on quickly. And I've always loved Karen's line where it took her six years to get over um, such a horrific thing that she did with or when she went into a depression because of what had happened to her life and now she can pull herself up and out within sometimes six minutes I think that's the goal that I strive for and you two same thing the respect and awe you both seem to be able to do that so magically and I seriously always tell people I want to be you two when I grow up <laughs> I do Oh my goodness! Well, I think the feeling is mutual, except when we're both, except when we're all level one souls. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so then we just hide in a car and we all bleat and yeah. we come out going, oh, "We're so much better." <laughs> and we tend to do that when we're parked at a cemetery. Yes, in the car yep. together. I don't think I'll ever forget that. That was. <laughs> Do you think, too, the podcast has been an amazing journey? Like, you know, maybe those of you out there that are looking to form connection, we've been doing this how many years? And every week we get together and it's just, it's a beautiful thing to actually come together. So maybe not only respect, but it's having some sort of connection, whether it's a book club or a podcast or a, um, you know, you might call it book club, but you're actually going to the winery or something. I don't know, but you do something that kind of brings you all together and I love the way that when we come together too, it's not just a gossip session. It's actually something we're working on or something that we're 
wanting to expand with. And I think that's always a nice way that we can grow from each other as well. I think that's a fair call. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a very fair call. Mm. Yeah, like, you, you know, you'd normally go shopping with your girlfriends or you'd normally go and sit and have a coffee and a chat, but we just tend to do it in a very productive way. Mm. Mm. Quite you cool. know, it, it's interesting when you said book club, um, book club, club, <laughs> Kim, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, remember when we used to go to that book club, you invited me actually to that book club and mm. I loved it. I met some um, amazing minds and amazing people and read some amazing books. And I think sometimes if you're looking for somebody that has um, the same thoughts maybe as you do or um, you can agree on, like my dad says, I like that man, he thinks like I do. And it's true, you know, you, you can't be in polarising views on things there has to be some mutual um, like ideas and, uh, and respect, as we were saying before. But I just remember the book club being a place where everybody could say what they thought. And I remember um, one of the books I suggested, um, which was called The Shack, which is now a major movie. And it blew me away. I thought it was the most amazing book. And it actually blew me away as to uh, how many people hated it. Oh, absolutely hated it, yeah, the shack. Um, there was very polarising uh, views of it because I guess if you're a religious, it may, or maybe even non-religious, it may have created a problem. I don't know. But um, I watched the movie. I was on a flight somewhere and I saw the movie was on and I thought, oh, I'm going to watch that. And I noticed my husband watching it too and, how it's not usually into that type of thing. And I said to him after he'd finished it, I said, what do you think? He said it was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. So, mm. yeah, it, um, it's a Christian book. Uh, I found it in a Christian bookshop. There's a bookshop down the road from me and I was walking past it one day and I just, you know, when you, I don't, I don't ever hardly go in, but I just had this feeling I had to go in and I looked at the number one seller and it was The Shack. And I flipped it over and I read what The Shack was all about and thought, Oh, that sounds interesting. So I bought it and read it and then introduced it to the book club. And I think the other one that was really interesting was the um, the red, the red um, thread tent. Tent. tent, red tent. That was the other one that we did in the book club, which I absolutely loved. And many people did enjoy the red tent. Um, so I, I think it's about you know, where you spend your time, who you spend your time with. Someone said to me, if somebody's not honouring who you are and respecting who you are and, you know, it's, it's harder and harder to be with them, it doesn't mean you have to dismiss them as a friend. It just means you spend less time less often with them mm. as opposed to just, you know, ostracising them out of your life forever because it may be someone that's been in your life for a long time and it could be a family, family member. Yeah, it could be a family member and so you just spend less time less often together. And, I, and that really made sense to me because I was feeling guilty about um, not keeping up some friendships that, you know, I've had since the kids were little and my kids are in their late 20s now. And then I started to think, but that's okay. I can see them on occasion and we can, you know, catch up, but I don't have to see them as much as I used to, which was weekly. Yeah, so you just make that decision. Karen, can I, uh, can I come back to you a second on um, being a good friend? And, and you made a, 
you made quite a point around how you you were quite in awe of it. What what actually is what makes a good friend then when you are in a down place? Like maybe that's something we can share with our listeners that you know when you've got a girlfriend that's down or they're in a, in a bad way or they've gone through a relationship breakdown or just whatever is challenging them. What do you think makes a good friend? Well, I think that that's a really interesting question because it got me thinking over the last couple of days because I had another conversation with another friend who, um, uh, yeah, anyway, I, I, I think the the... the for me, and I think it's a personal thing, interestingly enough, because for me, I'm probably a little bit difficult to support because when something goes wrong for me, I withdraw and I have to try and figure it out for myself. So usually when something goes wrong for a friend, everybody rallies around and everybody tries to help and rushes in to try and support and do things for them and support them and carry on. But I can't. I can't cope with that and um, I need to withdraw, figure it out and then I'll come back out and can be supported. So I think I'm a little bit difficult but for me a good friend is someone who knows that and Mm -hmm. somebody who understands that and isn't offended by me Um, because my intention is not to be offensive. My intention is that I'm just simply withdrawing from my own health and well-being, my own mental sanity or my own way of reconciling whatever it is that's gone wrong or happened. Mm. Um, So for me, a good friend is somebody who understands that and waits for me or, you know, is prepared to wait in the wings while I work it out or, you know, to be there in, in, in a capacity that's watching me rather than, um, it needing to be more about them and how they feel about how I feel, if that makes sense. Very much. So I think what you're saying is um, it's nice to be thought of. It's nice to be maybe a text or an email or, you know, not in someone's face. Is that what you mean? You're not making a drama around it. For me. Mm. And everybody is different. You know, I've got other friends that, really like or not like but need the drama, need the, the very high intensity mm-hmm. um, as part of their support. That's that's their lifeline. I, I guess I'm very internally processed, in, internally focused. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm very extroverted on a normal day-to-day basis but when something goes wrong, I'm internal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think everybody's different and I think what makes a friendship really profound is to have people that understand who you are and can meet your needs and not everybody is that so I think certain friends serve certain purposes and other friends serve different purposes maybe yeah you know my sister was like you Karen um I remember when she found out that she um had cancer um, a year before she passed away um she actually emailed everybody and said, um, I'm going through something and I just need to be left alone. I'll let you know when I'm okay. I didn't know this um, Mm. at the time, but people have told me this since. But when she passed away, it was my job to clean up the house and um, sell the house and, you know, get all her stuff out. 
and I spent a lot of time. I spent about a month just sorting through all of her stuff. You know, she was a professional woman um, with a beautiful three-bedroom home um, and lots of lots of keepsakes. But anyway, I was doing her bills, so I was paying her bills, and the phone bill came in. And on the phone bill, you can see who she called and, you know, what were the numbers that she mainly called. And she had lots of friends, um, friends from all over the, the world. And the only phone number that was consistently on the month before she passed away, and I, because I didn't see the others, I can't tell you the others, was me. Mm. Wow. She just relied on me. She just knew that she was safe that I was somebody that knew her past, knew everything, didn't have to ask her a million questions, didn't try and, you know, if she needed something, I'd, 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 I'd be there for her. But it's interesting. Um, that kind of shocked me when I saw it. There was a couple of calls to Dad, a couple to Marcus, but the main calls every single day uh, for that month was, yeah, it's to me. Wow, Cindy. Mm. And, you know, and, and, and I was obviously her support. I remember her saying to me, she died in the March and in the January, I remember her saying to me, I just really need you to come down and, and, and see me at least once a week. Are you able to do that? And I said, sure, I can do that. So I did that. Um, and then I felt like she was getting better and I just said, look, I'm, you know, I'm away. I can't do it every week. Every week. Okay. And she was, she was pretty cool with that. But then I felt, you know, when she died, then I go, Oh, button! You know, I, I, it, that you, you, just, you, you can't, you can't lay any of that on yourself as as guilt. You don't still feel like that, though. Do you? No, I don't, because you know it's it's eleven years, um, two days before Kimmy's birthday. Actually, her fiftieth birthday. It's eleven years since my sister passed, and. I've come to peace with her passing, even though I miss her, but I've come to peace with um, the way she went and, you know, what actually did happen. And, and I was as, as good as I possibly could be with the knowledge that I had at the time. And, and you have to say that sometimes you beat yourself up, but you did the best you could with the knowledge you had at the time or the ability that you had at the time. And I think the same is true for every relationship, whether it ends, you know, out of choice or whether it ends, you know, abruptly or, you know, there, there are higher powers calling a soul back home. I think that for every relationship, there's a time, you know, that reason, season and a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Everybody does the best that they can with what they have. And nobody makes a decision thinking it's the wrong decision at the time that they make it. It's always the best decision at the time that we make it. I mean, you, we can't do any better than that. There isn't anything else that we can do than that other than make the best decision that we can make at the time that the decision needs to be made. Isn't, you know, there's nothing else. So I have a question for the two of you. I'm going to put a scenario to you and I'm going to, um, I don't know what the question is that I want to ask, but I want to put a scenario to you. And how would you feel um, through this scenario? So uh, you live on a farm. You depend on your son um, to do a lot of the, you know, the work with you. Um, Your son says that 
he's going to uh, go into town and have a few drinks and he'll be home later on in the evening. And your son rings you and he says, um, I, I've just, I don't think I'll come home. I'm tired and I've had a, had a few drinks. I think I'll, I'll stay and I'll, I'll see you in the morning. And the father yells at the son and says, you get home now. We have work to do early in the morning and you won't make it home in time. Um, that son got in the car and drove home and was killed on his way home. And this is a true scenario, guys. And this beautiful man that I do know, he actually passed away um, in his 70s um, from pancreatic cancer. And, oh, you know... <laughs> Is it a lesson we're meant to be learning when something like that happens to you? Because you, how could you not blame yourself? Mm. You will never, ever um, not probably blame yourself. But what, what, would, what, would you, what would your advice to, be a, to a friend that was put in that situ- is in that situation, how would you help them? Well, um, do you want me to go first, Karen? Yeah, go, go, go. I mean, for me, my way that I make reason with things like that is from a humanistic point of view, I can understand why there would be guilt, maybe even shame and all of those things that would come with it. From a spiritual point of view, that boy was always going to die on that night. His, his soul was always going to end. So whether or not he'd got King hit at the pub that night, whether he got behind the wheel of the car, whether or not um, he crossed the road to help a friend and got hit by a passing car or I just, you know, my way of understanding and believing it is that he was always going to die on that night. It just so happened to be, um, we think, in a human level because of a phone call made demanding that he came home. Um, To me, the the reason why I make sense that way with it is because why does a two-year-old get leukemia and a 90-year-old drink and party and smoke all their life and and fall over on their 90th birthday party or something. There's just, yes, lifestyle and, yes, we could go right into epigenetics and, yes, we could go into genealogy and all of these things. But I personally believe there's a a far greater um, energy or essence at play that is beyond our control and... um, I, I personally would be trying to comfort my friend with that thought. Um, it doesn't. The, the, the other thing is, is it's happened. Mm. You can't bring the person back. So it's how we're going to live with this, with the most, um, in, in the most loving way. Otherwise, you've killed two people on the same night. If you're going to carry that guilt or shame or feeling of responsibility, I'm sure that would wear you down and and as it turns out you, you've said that he ended up with pancreatic cancer and I'm not sure of the emotional um, reasoning for pancreatic cancer but you know it'll eat away at you as Louise Hay would say so my my way that I help people through hideous situations is believing and honestly trusting that it is actually beyond our control we think we're in control we think we have this masterful ability to manipulate what's going to occur in life, but I don't, and that's how I comfort myself and others. Yeah, I have to say I do agree with you on that. It came up in our retreat that we just did four days, uh, uh, yesterday for four days, Um, 
about one particular participant, you know, her husband's very unwell and continues to be more and more unwell and she's a naturopath watching the medical system, looking after him and she's supporting and supplementing and complementing and, you know, she's very, um, she's very pragmatic and she's very, uh, she's very together with it, you know, and, and, and every now and then she just goes through phases where she says enough and I'm done, I just don't want this anymore, you know, surely we're going to have to have peace for a little bit, just a little bit. And it came up in the conversation, you know, that of course her, her nervousness is that, you know, what if he doesn't make it through and whatnot. And, you know, it was one of the conversations where we explored that we don't know the date, the time, the location of life when life is born into this conscious existence we can't determine that we can't determine exactly when a a life is going to be born naturally and we also can't determine the completion but if we see it as as a death and a loss here in consciousness which is exactly what it feels like but in reality it's a completion of a life there's a beginning and there's a completion And it's not for any of us to determine the day of that completion. And as soon as we try to, or as soon as we try to um, wish that it didn't happen or believe that it was wrong or it shouldn't have happened or could have been avoided, then what you've just said there, Kimmy, is spot on. You've taken another life along with it. Mm -hmm. You know, we cause ourselves suffering. And eventually, after the grieving period, of course, but eventually there comes a point where we have to determine, well, hang on a minute, life unfortunately is for the living. You know, once we've been through that sort of situation, life is for the living. How am I living? What am I doing with my piece of life? Is that honouring the life of the one that's been completed? Or have, have have, have I become a living um the, the, the living the living dead while I'm here, therefore not fulfilling the purpose that this particular piece of life is here for. Um, but I think that's a very big leap to reach for when somebody has lost someone that they love, a child or a relative or a pet. It's a very big leap to reach for in the time that the grief is the most intense. So I can 100% appreciate how your friend would have been feeling at the time and no doubt made himself not well so that he could bring his own life to completion maybe I don't know but I can understand that Mm. definitely understand that and interesting Kaz just looking on the internet that pancreatic cancer difficulty in digesting something um, inability to open up and receive love represents the ego and personal honor like wow, wow, you know I can I can see why and and isn't pancreatic cancer one that goes quite quickly as well? Like I can imagine how hard that would have been, and I think you're absolutely right, Karen. Sometimes the oh, I love that quote. Sometimes the mind is dealt such a blow that the only the only inevitable response is to is to quit it. So I can't I can't fathom, Cindy, what he would have felt I can't and I can say it in this way because I'm a supportive person you know and as the support person but I don't think any of us can imagine I mean it's the same thing as a 
father driving over his child in the driveway or you're running over your cat or it's there's just some things are so big that um that it would be very hard to digest but in the same token i'm with karen in the sense that you know well what are you going to now carry that guilt and then everybody walks around on eggshells because they're so worried for you and then your life i I just find that the alternative is i'm not saying you stand there proudly with what's happened of course but certainly having a belief no one would blame anybody i would imagine or if you did go into blame then that's your own stuff as well that you're dealing with isn't isn't that more the case Mm. But when you think about it, that's just one scenario and we hear these these happen all the time. Like you were saying, Kim, there's, you know, the, the child that's run over by her, his fa- the father because the child escaped from the house or something or um, the distracted driver who has a child in the back and the car rolls and the child is flipped out. Or So it's not a one-time thing. So I think it's important that... Um, as, as friends and as in a relationship that people understand what is it that they need to do in order to support those people. And I just think you did it beautifully, both of you. Um, it was, it actually gave me some calmness for this man because I really felt for him. I, I just thought, mm-hmm. you know, how do you forgive yourself? Where do you go from there? But you both um, answered it absolutely brilliantly. So I hope if our listeners are, list, uh, you know, are, are in a situation like that, that they've really taken in what both of you said. And if they haven't, then go back, rewind this and listen again. Go back to the spot because I think it's amazing words of wisdom from both of you. Thank you. Yeah, I was wondering how that was sitting with you as we were speaking about it because you were very quiet. I was just listening to you. I just, I, I, like, I, I didn't think of that. You know, when, it, when I got told about this scenario um, and it was at his funeral, I learned about it. Um, wow. Yeah, it was funny. You know, like, it, was, it wasn't funny, but it was like, Oh, you know, so let me put this in perspective. So this is somebody I swim with and um, we have swum for years together and I know him, you know, well enough to say hello to in the street and we swim with each other. And, and that was when he died, he was, uh, he swam on the Thursday and I'll never forget. Um, he, uh, he always used to take his togs down and you know, he would always show his bare ass, not meaning to, but I just happened to be there that one day and he showed his bare ass and I'll never forget the priest saying, oh, um, now I want you to remember, you know, this gentleman, I won't say his name, but I want the, you to remember this gentleman the last time you saw him. <laughs> and so I had a bit of a giggle because I saw his ass. Um, <laughs> but they told the whole story of him in the eulogy and I didn't know him except for who he was at swimming and I heard this amazing story about this amazing man who had achieved and accomplished brilliantly and then after the eulogy and after the service we were all sitting around talking and then somebody told me the story about his son and the passing of his son and how it happened and I just went oh my goodness and then I started to think about the pancreatic cancer and you know, his disposition, as many people would say, he was the only time he was happy was when he was swimming. Um, and I started to really, I, and I think about him so much. Um, we have a tree des- 
designated to his name um, in our swim. And every time I, I pass that tree, I think of him and I say, you know, I say hi to him and it's just a thing I do. Every swim I do this. So it has bothered me this um, dilemma I've had as to what would you, how would you address this? So, yeah. It, I don't know why it came up in this one about relationships, but I, I mm. figured it was a good time to address it. I think it's friendship though, isn't it? It's like, and some friends will, um, some friends will be, the, the woman that doesn't say a word drops the meal off at the front door and leaves again. There'll be other friends that, um, you know, come in and organise a house cleaner to come in. And mm. there's just, that it, it's a village. It's, and we have different friends for different needs and different um, people will come as you need them. I think not just friends, but it's also partners, isn't it? And, and how we can actually support one another when going through something tough. And, you know, I, I, I've written notes the whole way through this so that I can, I'll frame it all up at the end, what we've actually covered. But I do think that um, if one of the greatest things we can do as friends, because you just said something quite poignant there, Cindy, about not knowing much about this man until you heard his eulogy. And maybe that's what makes a good friend is asking questions, you know, like, who are you? Every day, maybe when you catch up with a friend or your partner, maybe one of your goals is to discover something new about them that you didn't know. There's, we're talking lifetimes mm. these people have had sometimes before they've come into your world. Mm. Um, I found out at my grandmother's eulogy, I didn't even know that she had lived in India for a while. And yet I asked my grandmother heaps of questions, but I never knew she lived in India for a little while. And I was just gutted that I found that out at her funeral and I hadn't taken the time to ask her what that was all about given how much time we've spent in India. So, you know, mm. I think that asking questions about one another and uh, you know, that big campaign, are you okay? It's actually a really beautiful, it's a great question. I guess the, the reciprocation of that is the honesty that you can say without creating another drama within a drama, actually I'm not okay um, but I've got this or I'm I'll, I'll do this because I think the other thing that can occur when friends are down or struggling and you may know people like this is that then they feel very heavy in their energy. And I must say with you girls, whenever you're down, I don't get the, I, don't, I honestly don't get heavy from either of you um, when the chips are down. And we've all seen each other probably at our worst at different times. And I would honestly say that with you girls, you don't suck the energy out of me I don't feel like you take from me. You're fully present and responsible for your own feelings and you are appreciative of the support, but you don't rely on people. Um, you don't seem to ex have expectations around how people should be around you. You take to total and full responsibility and accountability. And then if you get the support, you show gratitude for that. So I think what one thing I'd say about you two as friends is you you are your own best friends um, in times of challenge. And I think that's something that I really revere in both of you, um, that you have a lot of respect for yourselves um, and, and therefore that is reciprocated out. That's something I really notice with both of you. Mm. No, thanks, love. I think that that's an important point to note. And, you know, if you are able to be your own best friend, to learn how to self-soothe, then no matter when the chips are down or the chips are up, if we can learn how to self-soothe and look after ourselves, 
then everybody else is just a bonus. But if we're constantly externally focused, looking for other people to rescue us, I think one of the things that always happens psychologically is we always are left wanting because nobody actually has enough love to fulfill the pain. Nobody has enough support that they can give you to make you feel better. And I see a lot of people who are externally focused when it comes to finding support and, you know, and, and it's, it's one thing to, to, to lean on your friends and so on, but when that's your only way of coping, I think that that's a very um, fragile existence when things turn really turtle and things really turn to custard and nobody is around, then what? Mm. How does one soothe oneself, you know? We were talking about this at the retreat and I, was, I, I sell these beautiful, brightly coloured mandala rugs and um, there was a group of people that. Oh, didn't you, Cindy? No. Oh, they're just, they're just beautiful. They're bright. They're very cheery. And it's a gorgeous mandala on the rug. And I have one set up in my office and I have one set up here at home. And it's got, you know, Kimmy's beautiful oils there. There's a, a, there's a diffuser there. There's also my mala beads for my meditation. And that just sits there ready and waiting for me. And every time I walk by, it's almost like a dear friend calling me to it. That when I'm in my darkest moments or I'm really unsure of myself, that's my self-soothing place. That's where I go to support myself and love myself. And I plant my bum in the middle of that beautiful mandala and I'll light the diffuser. Sorry, I'll start the diffuser. I'll choose my mantra and whether I actually meditate or I don't meditate is irrelevant. I'll just choose my mantra for the, that moment and I'll work through my mala beads. And by the time I've worked through my 108 mala beads, then I've soothed myself. Mm. And then I can get up and go, I want to do what I need to do. But it's a way for me to bring my awareness and my attention back to myself so that then I can find completeness in that moment or in that half an hour and give myself relief, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important, especially for our little kitties. Mm-hmm. You know, all the, all the couples and the people that came to the retreat that have got kids all left with a mandala rug, the mala beads. They all left with their bits and pieces that they could set up their little sacred space so that whenever anybody's feeling out of sorts, that's their retreat space. And when anybody sees anybody sitting on that mandala rug, they know. Give them love, send them love, but leave them. You know, stand there, be with them if that's what they need, but leave them to self-soothe and to reconcile it for themselves, you know, and figure out what they're going to do with that. It, it, it's like emotional intelligence and resilience, isn't it? Is, mm-hmm. is this what we're talking about? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, and I actually don't know how to develop emotional intelligence and resilience as far as um, having, what, what would I say, a, a, an educated knowledge about how to do that. But I am sure as parents um, we must teach those skills in some way or not teach them in other ways depending on, you know, what we were taught maybe as, as parents. What, what, do you, what do you think? Oh, totally, Cindy, 100%. Kids... You know, when kids are growing up, some kids get lots of support and comfort and 
um, you know, parents can, and everybody's just doing the best they can. So we, and we tend to parent the way that we were parented. So, you know, we can comfort our children with food, you know, yummy ice creams and distract them with lollies and sweets so that they start to feel better. Hmm. And then we become, we tend to, you know, create a generation of emotional eaters. It's not the end of the world. It's really not. I mean, everybody's okay. Everybody finds a way to cope in the end anyway. So any parents listening to this, don't use this as a stick to beat yourself up with. This is just, this is just um, knowledge for the sake of what else is possible really. Um, and so the other way that we can tend to soothe our kids is the, the hug and the love and the shh, don't cry. You'll be okay. Everything's okay. Shh, mommy's here. Mommy's here, you know. And that's because it's devastating to see your children suffering and we want to take that pain away so that they never feel pain again. That would be ideal. Um, but in the, even in that very benign, very innocent process, the child is learning to be soothed in their mother's arms. And, you know, I remember just, you know, last week when I lost Jet, um, all I wanted was my mum. Mm. I when I went to my mum and she wrapped her arms around me. Oh my god, she's seventy five. I'm forty eight. It still was the best hug mm. on the face of the earth. It was it was the hug, and it was the most precious, beautiful thing that I could have shared with my mum. Mm. Um, just off the charts. I mean, really, I, I I had no idea. I still needed that, um, but. Beyond that, you know, to teach our kids to self-soothe is to be able to stand with them and say, what are you going to do about this? You know, I've, I feel your pain for you. I, I, I understand I'm not leaving you. I will never leave you. I am right here. In fact, I'm pressed up against you as hard as, you know, gravity will allow. How can you work through this? And what, what, what are you going to do? What do you need to feel better what is it that you're going to need and sometimes it's just time and sometimes it is a hug and sometimes it's more tissues <laughs> whatever it's going to be it's going to be and that's why i think your aromatherapy oils are amazing kimmy because it's a monster ass of a snort <laughs> that uh, <laughs> also makes a world of difference of your beautiful romance and um, harmony blend you know, because it's so self-loving, it's giving, it's, it's giving to the self. And if we can get our kids to do that right from the very beginning, to understand you are not alone, I'm never going to leave you, and I'm going to support you in how you can soothe yourself rather than I'm going to soothe you better. Mm. Um, that would, you know, that, that, that would be ideal. But I, I think, you know, if we don't do that as parents, it's not the end of the world. Our kids are always okay. And a mother's love goes a very long way. Yes, even if they're not here or yeah. I, I, watched, I watched a beautiful family. One of Taylor's dance teachers, um, her mother, who was just stunning, beautiful, just in her early 50s, always beautifully groomed, um, just the most beautiful soul, always believed that it was important to look and feel your best and didn't do that for ego. It was just something, I think Audrey Hepburn, she was like that, just had this class about her and bright red lipstick, and as a consequence, her daughter is the same, and one of Taylor's dance teachers. And I'm not kidding, a couple of months ago, just out of the blue, their mum collapsed in her early 50s, was on life support for a week, and sadly had had a, a major 
I'm not sure if it was a stroke or a aneurysm or something. Aneurysm sounds like. Yeah. yeah. And um, yes, the life support was switched off. And the way that these three children um, shared their love for their mother on social media made me really appreciate as a mum that if you can teach your children strength and to know that they don't have to rely on you. I mean, yes, it's awful to be without your mum, but it's, it's also an incredible strength that sometimes you can have even more of them when they're not there. Um, they're with you in every moment spiritually mm. and they're with you every single time you see um, the signposts that you may have chosen for her, be it a butterfly or be it a, a certain bird or a flower or whatever your signpost is. And I think if we can just sometimes get out of the humanist uh, or the human way of, of living life and perhaps look at maybe that's why religion and faith is such a powerful pull because we're all looking for something greater than we're aware there's something greater. There has to be. We surely just don't come on this planet to eat food, drink, <laughs> have babies or and not, giggle. And, giggle and and go. Like surely, and this is the question I ask all the time, and these are the conversations I've started having with my teenage children, by the way, and it's really cool to have these profound conversations and what they think. And when other people are going through sad times, it's a really nice thing to talk about it with your family, to watch how another family, God forbid, you know, it's sad that it happens, but it does. And asking the question, how would we cope through that? What would you guys need if you, you know, like when we lost Cleo, our pussycat, honestly, I was just distraught because I saw how distraught Taylor was because this cat had was a year older than her and they shared the same birthday and, and went through this whole incredible loss with her. Like, honestly, I was a cot case for her more than even me and a week later I'd seen Karen we were at the airport we were traveling to the wellness breakthrough you gave me that little happy face and I went home to Taylor still feeling really bad for her and I walked in I bought her a you know something you know something you know, something cat and cat's mother at some point we're going to have to get up and move on please do not turn my bedroom into a shrine <laughs> Oh, she? <laughs> she was the one that, and in that moment, she was right. And I just, yeah. I mean, yeah, you're right. Actually, you're right. We can't bring her back. Let's think about all the beautiful things that we shared with her. And every birthday for Cleo, we send each other a quote or we'll sometimes something reminds us of her. And we do a little ritual for her whenever we think of her. And it's just, it's become something even more precious. Um, obviously, I wish we'd love her back. But, you know, things, you never, nothing is ever forever. If, unless you look at it from pure love and then that is forever. So I don't know, I think the, the asking questions, what do we need from one another um, is also a, re a really good question, Karen. I think you're right. It's finding out what someone, because what you think they need may not be what they actually need either. Yeah, I think that's, I, for me, I think that that's, that's a beautiful way to look at it is to just is to say what, what do you need to help you feel better? Mm. Um, and sometimes they won't know. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's exactly right. Yeah, sometimes they'll just look at you and you go, "I don't know. I, I don't know." I, I, but even that question then, I guess, takes them out of the suffering and back into their own self awareness. Mm. And that's ultimately where you want to be anchored while you're suffering and going through grief. Mm. Maybe do you think? Yeah, and, and it, yes, and, and sometimes. It's just that empathy, you know, like being with them and 
seeing them in tears and, and not having an answer and just sitting with them, you know, yeah. just, just sitting with them. And I, I find the oils, Karen, are the most powerful thing for all. I'll make a spritz. I feel like I can help. I feel like I can just say breathe on this. I'm, I'm here, just breathe. And now the oils can do their magic while you're breathing and even breath from a yoga point of view and from, the, from an actual, the, the gift of breath. We just got through another breath and another one. Mm-hmm. And moment by moment, breath by breath, we know that with time we will slowly come to a place to maybe not ever get over it, maybe not ever accept it, but certainly learn how to live with it. So um, I think that's really, I love the oils for that. I love being in nature. I love getting out into nature when I'm down. Get me out of myself. Um, Get me away into the bush or not the bush in Australia, but the bush that I can see stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, it's really interesting just um, talking about your oils and, um, and, and what they evoke. Uh, one of the things I've been listening to is um, an interview by a doctor who talks about nature smells and what they evoke and even getting in nature, you absorb magnesium, which blew me away, you know. And I always remember one of the things that always for me I want to do when I'm in a crisis is put a backpack on my back and go into the the woods <laughs> into the bush I don't care doesn't matter what bush it is but just get out there and he was saying that um it, it helps with resilience so you know there is something in your oil smells because you can be in the bush without going to the bush mm. you just you just put them on I know if I have a shower when I'm not feeling brilliant and I mind and body I just go and have a shower and then I do your body boost Kim and um it, it works brilliantly and it makes me not want to put that backpack on and go out to the bush it goes me down I remember being pregnant with Tania um you know she's 24 now but I'll never forget like I had two little ones I was pregnant with her I had morning sickness and all I wanted to do was put a backpack on and leave <laughs> And I, I still laugh at myself today going, hmm, how could you have left yourself? <laughs> this doesn't work. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Oh, that's there hilarious. Is, there is with those oils. They just, uh, yeah, they, they're good. I actually have bought my, um, my not my burner, but my um, humidifier away with me because I'm away a month now. And, wow. um, yeah, and I actually bought it with me because I thought, I can't stand being in hotels um, and in a city or a town and I can't get to where I need to get. So I just bought that so that I could create that that beautiful atmosphere. Yeah, that's lovely, Cindy. Mm. Yeah, that's beautiful. It's just I a think- little baby one. Kimmy, Kimmy bought a tiny little baby one and I went, oh, I need one of them for when I travel. Yeah, the car diffuser, and it's also for in hotels. They're really good. You know, little things like that really matter. Mm. A little gift, a little thoughtful gift for the person who's struggling, or a little, um, yeah. you know, like a spritzer, or like a, a, you know, one of your other swimming friends, and the my neighbour is, is, you know, mm. major surgery, and all we and I sent texts 
you know, can he eat raw cacao brownie? Can he have, um, you know, and it's been major heart surgery and I'm thinking, oh, I don't know, you know, there's no point taking stuff over and, and they're not drinking, so there's no point taking a bottle of wine or, like, what do you do? And I end up going to the markets on Saturday and just got them a box of fresh vegetables and um, some kombucha and some beautiful sauerkraut and I just took it over and, and they were so grateful mm. that I'd done that and I was like, oh, that was so easy and it wasn't very expensive but it was such a nice thing to do for them because I knew that, you know, they were going through a pretty tough time. So Yeah, very tough time, those guys. Yeah. And I, I have another friend um, who I swim with who um, has nursed his wife for years and years and years and she just doesn't want to seem to do anything to help herself and then he got um, cancer. And he ended up having to leave so he could heal himself because he just wasn't able to do both. I just see all these scenarios happening. And so since the funeral of this beautiful man that we spoke about, I have made it my mission to find out more about these people that I swim with every morning. Mm. When I do the walk back, I walk with a different person to see what about their life. It's... um, it's amazing what De- I've said his name now, Desi. You know, taught me mm. um, in in not just standing back and not learning what other people are doing. Like I watch Kim um, and the questions that she asks and the information she gets out of people and how she she can. I, I, it blows me away, Kim. I've learned a lot watching you get information out of people, just a stranger. And then I watch you, Karen, on stage, um, how you draw things out of people. Um, like it just blows me away what you draw out of them. And I'm like going, how do you know to ask those questions? And I guess that's the art of um, inquiry, as you would say, Karen. It's, an, it's the art of inquiry and finding out, well, what is it really that, that is the issue or who are you or where have you come from or what do you love or how can I help you? Well, yeah, so many, so many things like that with the inquiry. And I think the, sorry, Karen, keep going. No, sweet love, you go. No, I'm going to say you. No, I won't have it. I won't stand for it. No, I won't. You shut <laughs> Now you've both forgotten what you were going to say. Completely, 100% I Seriously. I've gone Inquiry. No. We're talking about inquiry and I know both Oh, of I know. I know what inquiry. <laughs> Friendship. Friendship is also about contribution. Friendship just doesn't happen sitting there waiting for someone to text you and then making an assumption just because they haven't texted you yes. that they are not your friend. Um, I think friendship is really... Don't you love, you know what I love about us, if I may say so myself, (laughs) is it wouldn't matter if we hadn't seen each other. The first moment we see each other, there's leg hugs, there's there's just, there's no judgment around hearing from each other or not hearing from each other or or if there's been a little bit long, we'll we'll check in with each other. But I think that, you know, that, that real making assumptions that others, just because someone hasn't answered you straight away doesn't mean to say that, you know, what, what if they're going through something? Or, um, you know, I think friendship, I just had Kirsty Worth in here and she said after moving here to the coast, she's just so grateful for the network of friendships. And then I talked to her about, you know, a gathering coming up and she said, you know, I'd really like to go to that because I, I'd really like to extend my network. And 
that's that's a real critical mm. part too is about making an effort with people isn't it mm. absolutely if you want to yeah totally i think i think you know given that we're kind of coming to the end of the podcast time i think one of the things that i'm sitting here thinking to myself is what is the primary friendship what is the primary relationship that we have to get right that then makes all of the other relationships natural and easy and effortless and kind of you know i and kimmy you and i've both presented this kind of content is about you know the byron katie's work of my business your business and universal business and my business is to know who i am what i am and to really understand this piece of life and what goes on inside of my skin bag and your business is you know the world out there your business is to do whatever it is that you're going to do and for me to have no judgment on that and then universal business is who i meet and when i meet them when i get my challenges when i get my opportunities when i when life begins when life ends how long relationship is together when a relationship starts when a relationship ends and i think a lot of those things sometimes we can tend to feel that we're in control of those things whereas in actual fact when we met our partners or you know past partners it was all coinky dinkle like it was never something that we specifically orchestrated the fact that that person was on that bus at that time or at that school or on that cricket field, you know, all of that is perfectly orchestrated by universal business. So if we're not in control of when things begin and we're not in control of when things end, we really have to come to the the realisation that we're not in control of anything that goes on in between either. So if we could live our lives in a state of surrender to everything that's outside of our own personal skin bag, would make life more effortless mm. but then at the same time it would then make the the number one primary relationship the relationship that we have with ourselves and how do we nurture that how do we inquire into that how do we become curious about what that is and who that is and what's important to us what's not important to us how does it feel when i how does my big toe feel right now and if we could kind of take our awareness to every tiny little part of our skin bag and to anchor our awareness on the inside. Like now how does the pinky feel on the left foot and now the pinky on the right foot? You know, and if each day we could explore just a little bit more of ourselves on the inside world to discover and pay attention to the thoughts, listen to the thoughts that we have, you know, experience the feelings that we have and inquire into Where's the location of that? What triggered that? Was there a thought first? What was that thought? You know, to become curious about our skin bag makes, our, makes the primary relationship ourselves, which then makes us all the more potent in every relationship that occurs beyond that. Mm. So that then while a relationship is going to be in universal alignment and universal balance of this is when you're going to meet this person and that's when that relationship is going to end. At least the time that we're together, we're 100% participatory and not withdrawing and not playing out our stuff. You know, it's, it's more of a relationship of meaning and potency and beauty rather than a relationship of neediness and judgment and expectation. And I think that certainly from the people that I've been meeting lately at my events, I'm seeing so much more of us or so many more of us really wanting to have those relationships of meaning and purpose 
and harmony and curiosity rather than the neediness, the expectation of possessiveness. Mm. So there you go. That's my last little bit. <laughs> you nailed it. You just yep. summed up everything. Yeah. Yep. yeah. And it's actually fun. that was a really good point, isn't it? The yeah. number one relationship is self. With yourself. And then if you're happy with yourself, you will certainly exude that out to others. And, you know, the more you judge, maybe I love, you know, when you turn it around to she's an idiot and I'm an idiot. When you, you, whatever you see is a reflection. So mm-hmm. I think it's a really, that's profound, actually. We're all, you know, we've talked this whole podcast to this point about all our friendships. <laughs> and, in fact, it's all about, it's all about us. <laughs> I do like it. I do like it because it really is all about us. <laughs> yeah, enough about you. What do you think about me? Thanks <laughs> so good. Like in summary, just in summary, I will give you a few notes that I wrote that down that you guys did. So in when it comes to relationships, obviously now the, the number, I've just screwed out number one and put number one was what Kaz said, which is number one relationship is with yourself and to be curious in the inquiry of self, which therefore extends out into the inquiry of others. Um, Having respect for yourself and others. Good relationships are in awe of one another. Um, They push themselves. You can create more good relationships through connections, and we talked about things like book clubs or even tuning into this podcast. We've had people say to us that they feel like they're listening to their girlfriends when they're on here, so hi, girlfriend. Um, (laughs) Good relationships raise one another. They give another perspective on life. There's usually non-judgment and truth in questioning, and in that there is lots of questions. If you really want to know someone, ask questions. Be your own best friend, and what I really loved was that when we started looking at a good friend in need, one of the most important things first and foremost, again, is number one, learn how to self-soothe. And I think that was a really beautiful comment you made, Karen, that if you can self-soothe, all the rest is icing on the cake. Mm. I loved what you said about good friends that are in need have friends that wait in the wings. They understand who you are and what you need without judgment. They ask what you need. and They don't expect you to feel better in the moment. But they know, and the and lovely thing that you said, Karen, was knowing a good friend in need is someone that you know will drop everything wow for you. Um, and asking the question, what do you need? And one of my questions has always been for a girlfriend in need is, do you need a hug or do you need some space? Mm. Um, and it's always been that, that, in other words, do you want me to come over or do you just need some space and know that I'm thinking of you? So that's the notes I took, gorgeous girls, from you amazing souls. Oh, right back at you, gorgeous. This has been a wonderful, loving, friendly, delicious little podcast. We hope that answered the, the question. Um, how, how, do you t- how do you guys ever suffer? How do you guys ever cope if you have a fallout? <laughs> well, we haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's what the whole conversation was about. <laughs> True that. <laughs> Honestly, you know, I reckon we could say let's talk about bottle tops and we <laughs> Talk about bottle tops for a month. <laughs> so true, so true. Oh, well, it'll start with bottle tops. Correct. We cannot guarantee where we'll go in the between, in the in the middle, in the end, towards the end. But we'll tell you we'll start with it. And it would have to include spin the bottle if it was up to you. And <laughs> oh, I've already gone there. Yep. Yes. Yes, I knew it. I knew it. <laughs> oh, this has been an amazing podcast you guys thank you so much and it's been really lovely to be able to put words to how we 
feel about each other, but it's almost, it's just the most natural thing. So it's never required a discussion, but it was really nice to talk about it. Mm, I agree. Yeah. I love you. Yeah, I do. I you more. No, no, it's a competition and I must win. As <laughs> <laughs> always. And you know, you know, the best friends of all will let you win. Oh, oh thank you, Ben. Oh, all right, all right. I'll let you win. Better win. <laughs> yeah, but you, you know what? You watch. We'll finish the podcast and I'll get a message from both of you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm actually texting you right this minute. You are too funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, so funny. See, good friends okay. know each other too. True that. True that. And we now always say that she's the funny one. Hilarious. Oh, hilarious. Yeah. Too yeah. funny. Uh, I know. Well, thank you, you guys. What an amazing afternoon. And for all of our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in and being a fly on the wall in the room with three of us, even though we're not in a room, but still, still a fly on the wall. We're in the country together. (laughs) True that. We're in the same country. Zoom room. That's it. That's it. So thank you, everybody, for tuning in. And if you've got um, some thoughts about today's podcast, just go straight to our Facebook page. But before you do that, I wanted to just give you guys an all, give you all an invitation. You know, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast and if you get a lot out of the conversations that we um, talk about, whether it's bottle tops, friendships, or gut health, or uh, mental well-being or emotional health. You know, if you get a lot from our podcasts, there's an opportunity for you to come and join us and to join us in the flesh. You see, every year we take a group of people overseas somewhere fabulous and we spend time with you one-on-one hiking through some spectacular scenery. And we want to invite you to come and join us so that you can spend time with us one-on-one. There's nothing that the three of us love more than actually meeting the people who share, um, who share our conversations in your lounge room, in your car, when you're doing your groceries, when you're cleaning your house, when you're just trying to get some time alone and you spend it with us. We feel so honoured and so privileged to be your, your voices of choice. So we want to spend some time with you one-on-one and we want to spend some time with you in person. So if you're interested in joining us in New Zealand next year, send an email through to me. I'm going to give you that email address in just a second. But if you'd like a little bit more time to save up and you'd like something that's a little bit more adventurous and extraordinary, we are going to be hiking through Europe in 2020. And we would just love to have at least 20 of you guys and gals joining us at both of those hikes. Now, both of the hikes are pretty much halfway full. So we have got a handful of people who are perpetual hikers with us Mm -hmm. and they join us every year, haven't we, guys? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, the Lindas, the Lisas, the Karens, the Mills. The Debbies. The Debbies. Oh, yeah. The Jims. The Jims. Bless him, bless him. (laughs) So we really would love for you guys to come and join us. So check out your your calendars for 2019, 2018. Do we have months yet, Cindy? I think it's, when was it, when were we thinking of going to New Zealand? Uh, Well, we have to go. There's only a season in New Zealand that we can go in, and that is the, the summer in the Southern Hemisphere. So we've got 
um, either from, or it'll be next year. So we've only either got March or November. So we've got to figure that one out yet. And then the U, and then when we go to Europe, it will be June, June, July. So we haven't got exact months yet, but that, that'll give people an idea. Like what I did, I, I wanted to go to Joe Dispenza, so I blocked the whole of October out because he hadn't made his decision. He just said the month. Yes. Um, what else did I want to do? Uh, there was something else I wanted to do, so I blocked the whole month out until I knew exactly when it was. So my recommendation is that everybody should block out um, their March, their November for next year and for the year after their June and July. So for 2020... June, July block out, and for um, the other months, it'll be either March or it'll be November. There you go. How's that? Perfect. <laughs> Absolutely perfect. And we've got the itineraries and the dates being confirmed shortly. We've just currently got it all out with all the tour organisers, yep. putting everything together in terms of when is exactly the best time to go so that we can make this the most life-changing experience for you. So for all of you guys who are listening to this going, oh, my God, yes, info at Karen Smith. Dot com and the way that you spell my name if you don't already know is c-a-r-r-e-n-s-m-i-t-h dot com so info at karensmith.com is my email address send your details through i will add you to our database and our wait list and as soon as we've got all of the information i will send that out to you so you can make an informed decision for yourself and come and join us so thank you, everybody. Once again, go to our Facebook page at all the w's.facebook.com forward slash up for a chat. If you don't remember my email, leave us a message on the Facebook page. Also, you can go to all the w's.thewellnesscouch.com forward slash up for a chat and post your comments and questions there for us where we'll, re- we'll reply, we'll respond, and we'll endeavor to make sure that we answer everything in a podcast that you send to us. So thank you, everybody. We're going to see you here, same time, same station, right here on Up for a Chat, where you get to become part of the ripple effect that's changing the world. And we're going to see you on the hike. Bye, everybody. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.